Hello. Nice to have you all on here. To finally get to speak to you. Hello. Hey. I put my friends with me. Yeah, so um, just for everyone who's joined today, so um, we've got Alchemy Exchange on um, to speak about ads on labs. And I believe there's a few members of the team who are sat around a table. So I'll uh, just get the team just to introduce themselves, if you don't mind. Hey everyone, um, this is Ben. I am the CEO of Alchemy. Hi, surely COO and uh, co-founder with Ben and Chandru. Hello, my name is Chandru and uh, I'm the CTO and co-founder of Alchemy. Cheers, folks. It's great to have you here today. Um, so, yeah, as I said um, previously, we're here to talk about the ads on labs. I know you've had a really successful week, and congratulations on the release of the uh, the Ad Explorer. Looks looks really good, and I've, I've been looking uh, looking at it all week, and I'm, I'm re really impressed by it. So, congratulations on that, and I believe uh, that's potentially going to be a part of the ad ads on labs that we're going to be discussing today. Yes, that's right. Thanks, thanks a lot. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, um, and this is the first AMA I've had um, with yourselves. Um, just for members of the community that don't know who Alchemy are, I don't know. Where, just in a just in a quick summary, what one of you guys want to feel free just to kind of put across who, who you are to to the people that haven't heard about you before? Yeah, of course. Um, so Alchemy Thank Exchange you. is a decentralized advertising exchange. Um, and for those of you that might not know what an advertising exchange is, it effectively facilitates the buying and selling of ads in real time. Um, so any ad that you might see within an app or on a website or ads that you've heard in between your podcasts or even on connected TVs, Often those ads are bought in real time. It's a process called real-time bidding. And effectively, advertisers will bid an amount of money to show their ad on a particular publisher. So whether that's a website or an app, as I said previously. Um, that is, has existed for, I would say... 2014? 2014, yeah. So it's it's been around for a while. Um, the standard by which all of this is that it's called open rtb so it's an open source protocol and probably at this point 99 percent of the ads that you would see online are traded using open rtb that currently that the centralized exchanges face a number of issues predominantly focused around transparency of fees or rather lack thereof the volume of the fees, fraud, um, and actually the number of emissions that are produced and kind of works out to, for every dollar that is spent by an advertiser, typically a publisher would only see 57 cents of that dollar. So 43 is lost to middlemen, to server discrepancies, and 17% actually off the back of a, a recent study that came out a couple of weeks ago. We'll send a link after this, but 17% is an unknown delta. So... 17% of what is a, I think, going to be half a trillion dollar market just disappears into thin air. So if you want to do the math, it's quite a big number that goes missing. And what we're actually able to do by bringing this entire process onto a blockchain is solve a number of those issues. I mean, the number one issue where we've had a lot of traction is around the fees. So Alchemy only charges 3% versus the 43% that is lost into centralized advertising exchanges. We have the Ads Explorer, which you can see on labs.alchemy.org, which is a finally a verifiable 
um, means of all the ads that have served, which doesn't exist currently. There's a lot of spreadsheets that get compared um, within businesses that serve ads at the moment. And lastly, because of a lack of a ledger that is notarizing all of the ad transactions that everyone can access and no one needs to trust, a lot of businesses repeat the same processes over and over again. Typically, there will be eight hops between an advertiser and a publisher with Alchemy Exchange. All of that takes place with one of the nodes or validated nodes within our network. So we actually reduce the number of processes that are taking place by kind of, with a factor of eight. So it's actually significantly more efficient than the existing solutions in terms of carbon emission. Um, yeah, I'll take a pause there in case. Yeah, um, just to add to that, you know, um, I was I was asked exactly the same question, Ben, uh, last night by my son. Oh yeah, who said, uh, "What is an ad exchange? <laughs> what, what is it that you do when you go to office?" And uh, the way I had to explain this to me to him is, Alchemy Ad Exchange is like eBay for ads, right? So somebody posts their pair of shoes on on eBay, and uh, there are uh, five different people who who say, okay, I'm willing to pay $50, $60, $70, $80, 90 100 whatever the amount. Um, but look at ad exchange as eBay for ads, except that when you put your pair of shoes for sale, eBay doesn't tell you uh, the amount. eBay doesn't tell you how much each person is bidding, who is bidding, and what is the highest amount that they can get for you out of all of these independent bidders. eBay just tells you, oh, by the way, you know, this pair of shoes for which you wanted uh, a minimum of $50, you got 55 for it. Congratulations. But behind the scenes, and I'm not saying eBay does this, but I'm just trying to uh, create an analogy between what happens on an ad exchange and uh, a normal uh, platform like, like eBay, a normal, normal platform like eBay. But if eBay were to tell you, here's $55 which you got, and by the way, don't ask me for any more details. But if eBay were to also have an internal bidder who would say, I'm only willing to pay $55. And even though there are different bids of 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, if eBay were to tell you, this is 55, this is how much you could make. That is an ad exchange, a legacy ad exchange today, where the ad exchanges run by Google, uh, for example, they don't tell you who are the bidders who are bidding on that ad slot how much they bid for and what is the maximum amount you as a publisher can make and that is the core of the lack of transparency and that is a problem that's the classic problem that alchemy is trying to resolve that's a that's a perfect analogy <laughs> like you said that puts it crystal clear and kind of puts it in, in a context that we can all understand and when you say that chandru really like sinks in and you can kind of <laughs> You can kind of see what the lack of transparency has been been over time, especially with ads and, like you said, even even just the three percent to the forty three percent is is just is absolutely huge. And like you said as well, with the transparency of not knowing who's bidding on an ad, kind of the, the transactions which I wanted to look at, which I'm sure you're going to as well, like the the hashing side of it. Once the transaction and a and a bid's been made, obviously like Bitcoin and other cryptos, it's hashed on every transaction. That's kind of what's been missing. Um, in this industry for a very long time and it's it's really interesting to see you guys try and tackle it head on yeah exactly that i think it's um 
I don't think it's just the kind of hashed transactions. I think the fact that the entire auction is now happening on chain, I think that is what really sets us yeah. apart from, there's been like a handful of other projects that have tried to tackle it, right? Like Brave is an amazing project. They went down the kind of browser route. And I think that's where they've kind of run into difficulties that it's tough to get browser acquisitions as like a B2C type product. Whereas because we've used infrastructure to create the consensus mechanism that already is widely used by businesses, it kind of allows us to go to like a, a B to B to C approach, um, which has been kind of, yeah, it's working out okay so far. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, with regards to the having that open transparency, not just the hashing side of it, but having that open transparency to see it on, on the blockchain is something that obviously like Google and other businesses like that who have obviously managed this aspect of the industry before have, haven't published and people don't know where the money's going, people don't know what a bid is, and that's kind of been the big issue in the minute, especially which I'm, I'm sure you'll all touch on later with regards to the, the ad fraud side and the amount of money that's being lost and just people just kind of accept it. Exactly that, yeah. I think um, Google are a particularly interesting one. They're definitely of interest to the DOJ at the moment, and I think that is them monopolizing this industry for too long. I think that with that and Meta kind of happening in the last decade or so, you have seen publishers really suffer. I mean, I spent a period of my career working for News UK. Charlie used to work for Condé Nast, so we kind of saw firsthand the impact of platforms like google and meta really taking the revenue away from the people that are creating the value and that is really what we set out to do was re-establish the value exchange online so advertisers effectively fund content and try and pay for your attention as a user i think that has got a little bit out of hand it's why you've seen regulations like the gdpr and the ccpa come into place and i think just by providing a transparent and efficient means of trading ads we can kind of work to undo some of the damage that has done to what are pretty like world famous renowned businesses that have been in writing content for many many years yeah Many years, like you said, it's, it's not something that's kind of been, been looked at um, recently. Obviously, something like this has, has taken a very long time to kind of set up. And with, with regards to what we we talk about um, for ads on labs, what does that what does that actually mean? Can you can you go into a bit more detail on that? No, take this much, Andrew. Sure. Um, I'll probably uh, talk about what ads on lab uh, labs means um, from a technical sense. I'll, I'll probably let you. Take the one on uh, um, what it means for our ecosystem partners. Sure, yeah. um, but I think um, we've been working on this project for the last year and a half now. And uh, there's, there's a lot of work that has been put into building a decentralized ad exchange. And Ads on Labs brings together all of the work that we have done so far and demonstrated to our community in parts. I remember once uh, the first one of our first demos that we, we did for the community was to show the uh, MVP of an ad exchange that was working. Then we did another demo uh, showing how custom consensus works for the Alchemy State channel. We also were looking at uh, various reporting dashboards. But all of this work that has gone on to building a decentralized ad exchange over the last year and a half 
is all brought together and demonstrated to all of our community and ecosystem partners using the Ads on Labs project. So what this actually means is it, it demonstrates the technical capability of the product on various fronts. So by, uh, by going live with Ads on Labs, what we have done is now there are there are three um, three major parts of this ecosystem. Uh, there, there are many many links in this supply chain, but if I can just break it down into three basic parts, one is the supply side, which is where the publishers come into picture. They provide the real estate on which the ads are shown. On the other side, which is the demand side, are the brands who want to show the ads to the users on the publisher's website. And the matchmaker between the publisher and the, the, the demand side is the ad exchange. So what we have done is, number one, we have used Alchemy Labs, which has uh, over a thousand registered users as the publisher's site. So we've said, look, let us demonstrate this using our own in-house publishing site, which is Alchemy Labs. Now, for the brands, so that's the supply side. On the demand side, we said, look, let us use some of our brands in-house our partners uh, brands the agency the alchemy exchange itself and demonstrate show the advertisements of alchemy exchange and the agency and our podcast on this publisher site and the matchmaker between those two is alchemy exchange so in order to bring that together alchemy labs is the publisher and the alchemy ad exchange connects to alchemy labs which is the publisher and the, the way that is done is using what we refer to as a pre-bid adapter. And we had um, communicated to our community quite a long time back that Alchemy's uh, pre-bid adapters are already live. So this, the first thing that is demonstrated by this is that Alchemy's pre-bid adapters are ready to be integrated with any publisher of choice, as has been demonstrated by integrating with Alchemy Labs. That's point number one. Point number two is the ad exchange itself needs to comply with what is called IAB's TCF framework. And this is an essential step for any publisher who would want to integrate with Alchemy Exchange. And, by, uh, and that's the second thing that we have demonstrated. That is, without the TCF uh, framework compliance, this could not have been possible. And this demonstrates the compliance for IAB's TCF framework. That is point number two. Point number three is that the Alchemy Labs as a publisher would send what we refer to as bid requests. And these bid requests are sent to the demand side, responses are uh, collected, and then the auction is conducted, ads are rendered onto users. This is the whole flow. So this is demonstrated when any user goes onto Alchemy Labs and refreshes the homepage. You see new ads being shown to you every time. What is happening in the background is this whole process, this whole auction that we are talking about is conducted within about 200 milliseconds and the ads are rendered onto you, onto the user to see. And that is an end-to-end -end view of how a Web2 ad exchange would work. Everything that I have stated so far is just a Web2 ad exchange. This is where it gets interesting. Not only are those auctions being conducted and ads are shown to the users, but what is also done is all of these ad transactions are validated using the custom consensus mechanism. And the result of that custom consensus mechanism, which is the validated ad transaction data, is stored on a decentralized ledger. And then that is made available to uh, the users via the Ads Explorer. 
that is what makes this a web3 exchange any exchange could conduct an ad auction and show users the the advertisement but the very fact that all of this is done decentrally it's validated by a system of decentralized nodes and that validated data is captured on the ledger made available to everybody using the ads explorer is what makes it a web3 or a decentralized ad exchange I'll take a pause. Perfect. Thank you, Andrew. So, sorry, go on. So not only uh, are we actually, um, have, have we built a decentralized ad exchange, what we take it one step further, where we have access to all of the raw data that is generated by the exchange. Now, all of this data cannot be put on the ledger for the simple reason that some of them may be user PII data. There may be some data that some of the publishers may be sensitive towards or it may just be way too much data to put on the ledger, right? So what we do is to capture raw data or a more a richer data set of the chain. And in order to ensure that our partners have the trust on off-chain data, what we do is that this data is validated before it's put onto our database and a hash value of that data is stored on the ledger. So our partners can actually programmatically using APIs retrieve that off-chain data, compute the hash value, and check the hash value against those hash values stored on the ledger. Thereby, not only are we putting important pieces of data on the ledger, but any data that is stored off the chain is also auditable just by the fact that the hash value of that data is stored on the chain. So this gives all of our partners complete transparency and auditability. And that's one of the key features of Alchemy Exchange. And this end-to-end -end has been demonstrated using the Ads on Labs project. Yeah, I think the that's great. Sorry, the, the idea of an, an ad exchange is it's not really something you can like touch or poke. And I think that because there yeah. are, I mean, I think there's something crazy like 11 billion ads potential ads that can be filled online in the uk alone so actually finding ads in the wild can be quite a difficult thing to do so being able to demonstrate on our own profile on our own pages kind of shows it's existing it's a very key part of what we demonstrate to clients that we work with just so that they can have faith in what we're saying is actually exists and that it is reporting accurate data um, based off of ad transactions that are taking place. Yeah, I think it's important to sort of compare that to the incumbents right now. So like that data that you see every transaction that goes on there, that is what we call log level data. That information currently, if you're using, for example, Google, who are the biggest, you have to pay $600 per report for that log level data. Um, so that and that data is just available through uh, the Ads Explorer. So that means that for any publisher or any advertiser, they can finally see information that was hidden from them by someone like Google. So for that like reason alone, it's quite it's quite big, and it kind of demonstrates the the key USP of Alchemy compared to what exists right now. Yeah, definitely. And going on to what um, Chandru said as well about 
the, 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 the hashing side of it and having that audibility log and being able to retrieve the API. And oh, I, I only found out recently over the last year that you can extract the raw data from obviously blockchains and wallets transactions to kind of see and audit uh, different logs and different things on, on a ledger. So it's really interesting to see you, you tackle it that way and obviously portray the transparency and the fact that these uh, people who are involved with Alchemy and even people like us who are involved as uh, holders of the ADS token who are part of the community um, will obviously be able to see and be able to, I suppose some people may want to in- investigate themselves just to see just how transparent and then how how fluid you are and ha- having been able to, especially in the, in the industry that you're tackling, being able to retrieve that API and that raw data from the ledger is something that's going to make yourself stand out um, miles ahead of the rest. Exactly that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very important for us to provide transparency and auditability. But one of the key factors that we also have to consider is compliance to regulations and respecting user privacy. And with that uh, in mind, we just cannot put any user PII data on the blockchain. It cannot be on the public ledger. So all of the user PII data, for example, has to be stored off the chain. But there needs to be some sort of an auditability where, you know, if, if you were to go onto the Ads Explorer now and, and look at the hash values of each of the transactions, what we post is the hash value of, for example, the bid request transaction, the hash value of each bid response that was received for that bid request. Um, hash values of impression objects. Impression objects are what tells you if an ad was uh, if an ad created an impression, if it was seen by a user or not. So each of this is validated data, but there can be a potential if there isn't a hash value recorded on the chain for off-chain data to be manipulated. And the only way of handling that problem is to ensure that the hash values of off-chain data is stored on the chain. So it, it tackles two problems. One is the auditability problem, and the second is the problem of, well, not a problem, but really a challenge of uh, uh, compliance to regulations and uh, respecting user privacy. Great. Thanks for that, Chandra. Just, just out of interest as well, when we, when we talk about hashing, just either there's any technical people uh, listening, um, what, what hashing do you use? Do you use it? The SHA-256, like the other sort of like Bitcoin uses to flow through transactions, is it? Is it that sort of similar hashing? Exactly. We use uh, SHA-256. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you for that. Uh, as well, Chandra, when we've talked about, obviously, you've gone into how much effort has been put into it, and I suppose you mentioned already some of the difficulties in, in Web3. Just as a question, I don't know if uh, anyone else in the team as well can put any input on it, but just, just how difficult has it been? Um, kind of creating an ad exchange in Web3? Like what's the difficulties that you've seen? And is there any difficulties that you expect to face in, in the future? Um, I think that's a, that's a very interesting question, really, because, uh, um, well, even before I would, uh, I, I can answer uh, what's the difficulty in building a web, uh, a decentralized ad exchange. I think we all are aware of the kind of difficulties that any startup faces. And especially a startup in the web3 world i think uh, faces way uh, way too many challenges you know the number of challenges in terms of uh, um, limited resources or the amount of time that we have to build uh, stuff the the the, the kind of uh, 
um, market pressures that we are under, and and this is true for any Web3 project. For example, you know, it's it's it, it's not just Alchemy that I'm talking about. Any Web3 startup would have issues of resources, issues of uh, uh, ensuring that the product goes live uh, within a certain time period, uh, ensuring that uh, we we. Uh, are aware of the market conditions and have to deal with the market conditions, the volatility of the market, and also uh, expectations of uh, various stakeholders, whether they are ecosystem partners or the community or uh, anybody else. You know, so we are actually being pulled into different directions by all of these factors, and I think that is that forms the crux of the challenge that any. Um, um, any Web3 project faces. Um, one of the key things that, uh, and, and uh, uh, in, in the advertising world especially, you know, there's an additional challenge where we are being pulled between two different ends of the community and the ecosystem partners. Because the community generally is, is very open to change and wants new technologies to be brought in while the ecosystem partners will have their own business processes. They will need to vet all of the processes. They will have to validate that this really adds value to uh, the way they do business. The, the way they do business shouldn't really be changing quite a lot. So one is not so open to change, while the other is really, um, you know, they're, they're open to change. So we are really caught between the two different pulls of the community and the ecosystem uh, ecosystem partners. So that is something that uh, is also a challenge. But I think uh, it's been a great experience in building the, the decentralized ad exchange. And what I've realized is that there are quite a lot of good things that we can learn from the Web2 world and take that forward for the Web3 world. Like, for example, we use uh, best practices like we use uh, uh, our, our uh, um, uh, sprint planning sessions, for example, and uh, we ensure that everything gets planned, uh, the sprint is executed, there are daily stand-ups, there are sprint retrospectives. Uh, we, we're really big on that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. Uh, and also, you know, ensuring that the tests are developed in parallel with all of the functions that are being, uh, all of the uh, uh, functionalities that are being developed, ensuring that security is baked into the functionalities. There, there's a lot of good practices that we can actually um, take from the Web2 world and then move that into the Web3 world. So we, we do really have to get creative because of all of these challenges in terms of resources, time. Um, but yeah, I think uh, these are some of the things that have been really interesting and uh, it's been a great learning experience is all I can say. Yeah, I think um, with all that said, I think Chandra, you've been quite modest. I think that from what I've seen having worked in this industry for I guess a decade now, which is quite a long time. Um, it takes a long time for exchanges to get to market. So the fact that we've, I guess, effectively delivered this inside of two years already has us kind of trending. We've delivered it in half the time I would typically expect for an exchange to hit the market and start to gain um, traction. So I think that is where Web3 is probably an advantage that everyone in it wants to work very quickly. They want to get more people adopting better ways of doing most things, I think, in the world, life. But yeah, in our instance specifically, creating new infrastructure for ads to be traded is something that now 
we can say we've done, we've proven it with ads on labs, and that is just really taken on the conversations that we've been having with advertisers and publishers um, versus the last 18 months. You know, we've had a number of people testing for a period of time now, and I think like having ads on labs has allowed us to really scale up the number of people that we speak to on a weekly basis. Um, so yeah, we are really excited for the next quarters ahead, really. Ultimately, Chandra is the secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs a Chandra, yeah. <laughs> when we speak about um, the difficulties you've been facing in Web3, one of the kind of main questions I've always wanted to ask yourselves is, I know quite a lot of projects and even people in the mainstream industry, even when you speak to people new now who are kind of a bit umming and ahhing about whether or not to get involved in crypto, are you finding any difficulty kind of getting people to persuade to kind of jump to web free is has that been an issue i think given some of the people that we speak to still print newspapers those conversations have been difficult <laughs> but i think um, <laughs> yeah. on the whole i think that for me in particular i think it was nfts last year that had like all of a sudden made the conversation much easier for us like there are a significant hand, handful of household brands that are now dipping their toe into the Web3 space using NFTs, which interact with the blockchain. It's a really nice way to onboard brands. So I think that has, that has changed the conversation that we've been having, I think, over the last six months or so. And then I think it's just, yeah, apologizing for the bad actors that exist in the space. Yeah, I think it's interesting where, like, Facebook changing their name to Meta. I mean, we've said it quite a few times, mm. but that really was just like suddenly a bunch of CMOs who had never heard of a metaverse were yeah. thrown into like Web3 in a big way and had to like learn it pretty quickly. So I think that really did weirdly help everybody else other than Meta, yeah. other than Meta. like the sandbagging themselves with huge bills at the moment instead of uh, building any technology but i think for everybody else it was actually they created a vacuum and then it was a case of like who's going to fill that vacuum um and yeah hopefully we're bringing web3 to digital advertising and there's plenty of other people doing other things in the web3 space that relate to sort of publishers and advertisers so it's, it's pretty good from that point of view it's uh, definitely in the press right now yeah, I think also like one of the, the mantras we have at Alchemy HQ is meet the market where it is and then tell them where it needs to go. Just made that last second, actually. Um, and I think the way in which we've done that is, again, the team has like a depth of experience. I mean, I think probably if we added it all up, it's like a hundred years experience working oh, in ad tech. So we know this market intimately we kind of all discovered blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, various cryptos on our own like origin stories, which we'll probably go into at one point in the future. But um, that kind of being advertising first, discovering crypto and then bringing it back to advertising, I think gives us a very unique perspective versus businesses that identify the half a trillion dollar digital ad market as a low-hanging fruit i can tell you that it's not um so yeah i think just our continuous effort to meet the market where it is to make it easy to move to web3 and actually probably a better way of putting it is taking the best parts the most relevant 
parts of Web3 and bringing that to Web2, which is ubiquitous. It is everywhere. Everyone is using it is ultimately how we will kind of everyone will arrive at Web3 by improving Web2. I think rather than there being like a monumental shift to yeah. Web3, I don't think that's going to happen. It's not like moving from your PlayStation 4 to 5. Exactly. Right, I mean, yeah. it's like there is a transitional period. And I think that's like one thing that people always... Yeah, the slogan is always like, yeah, bridging Web 2 and Web 3. But really, it's like Web 2 has a lot to offer that works yeah. and is effective. So, like, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and just mm. be like, oh, yeah, I'm totally Web 3. It's like you have to do some of those things in Web 2 well and then find the cool stuff that, like, helps you create future products in Web 3 and then mash them together. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just kind of thinking that you can do it all one way or the other. Yeah, I think and that's why as well, uh, like Chandra said earlier, I think that's why the the release of um, the Ad Explorer is kind of when you do speak to these people and, and these companies and people who obviously who have been in Web2 and are a bit kind of reluctant to join Web3, when you kind of break down them boundaries and like you've like, like all said, um, having that Ad Explorer openly available to see the ads being bidded on and the prices and the transactions uh, being verified on, on the ledger, having that open and then being able to showcase that to a company, to to someone in the industry who has been wanting to kind of get back the money they've lost and kind of get that transparency back from what's never been there in, in essence. So kind of having that Ad Explorer available, like you said earlier on, is a, a, a big leap in, in where you're heading. And I can only imagine over the next few months and years, it's just it's just going to grow exponentially, I think. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that that's also one of the key takeaways of uh, Ads on Labs because um, it will allow anybody, you know, whether that's a publisher or an advertiser or anybody in the supply chain or even users, end users or community members to go onto Alchemy Labs, open the f uh, homepage, and then you will be able to look at the bid requests um, if, if you go onto the developer window. And if you were to copy the bid request ID, go back to Ads, uh, Ads Explorer, and then if you try and find that bid request ID, you will be able to do that. And not only will you be able to uh, find that bid request, you will be able to see all the information about uh, that, that ad that was shown to you. So this is exactly what the publishers and the advertisers want to see. And this is a living proof of that. So anybody from our sales team who, who talks to a publisher or uh, an advertiser would just have to provide them with one link, which is the ads uh, Alchemy uh, Labs uh, link. And they will be able to test, look at the features, and they, they will know exactly what to do, what data um, that, that ad uh, rendering has generated. So everything is there for them to see. There's no hiding. There is no... Um, there's no uh, pitch deck. It's it's just about you go, you have a look at the ad being shown to you. You have a look at the bid request. Go to Ads Explorer. You can find it there. You can find all the data associated with it. So it's a living demonstration for anybody in the ecosystem who wants to use Alchemy Exchange. Perfect. Thank you, Andrew. And um what you just said in relation to that, it goes on to the next question I had in relation to the advertisers and publishers. Just I know we've touched on it briefly, but what does it kind of mean for them as a whole, the, the whole concept of the ads on labs? So I think 
what it means really is that there is now a viable alternative to the existing um, technology that they use. I think there's been, there's a lot of businesses in ad tech that have really innovated around ad formats. So when I first started, I was selling interstitials on mobile, which was like pretty hot. Lots of accidental clicks, I think, but not if you ask my clients. Um, and so, and then there was kind of in-stream video, there was native ad units, there was um, pre-roll, mid-roll, post-roll on the, on like typically stuff you see on YouTube, like these, the monday.com ads before YouTube video, you get the classic. <laughs> um, and that was largely where a lot of the innovation took place. And then there was regulations in terms of GDPR. So the targeting of ads was also innovated, whether that was contextual targeting, cookie-based targeting, targeting using device IDs, cookies disappearing, device IDs have largely gone, contextual can... And contextual is when you kind of target ads based off the content on the page itself can prompt some interesting results. No one's really kind of taken the infrastructure and looked for ways to improve that. And I mean, there was a great analogy someone explained to me a long time ago, and it's the kind of the open RTB um, protocol really was the designs for a quite a slick house. And I think over time where more people have arrived, there's kind of been a, a dodgy extension put on the back or like a tree house in the back garden that kind of is held together by chewing gum and blue tack. And what we're really doing is using a blockchain to take that plan, but allow for a much better house to be built to really <laughs> put, thrash the end of that analogy. So yeah. And that really means on a business perspective that advertisers get more media for their money publishers make more money from selling the ads and it really allows for the open web to continue in a way that we know it because it is supported by an ad funded model which has worked so effectively for the last kind of 20 years or so and i think the other kind of take it on from advertisers and publishers to users of the internet kind of ads on labs was required for us to begin looking to the community for people that are going to operate the nodes that support alchemy exchange in the future. You know, like we are now at a point where we can start to like distill information around what it's going to take to be a node operator, what kind of the expect expectations are. And really then that is starting to onboard the half a trillion dollar market or half a trillion dollar liquid liquidity pool onto a blockchain. We then, we the, the protocol then takes fees for all of the ads that are served. And then those fees are used to buy back tokens to redistribute as rewards to people that are validating transactions on the network itself. So it, it starts to become kind of the vision that we've always had for it. Um, whereby the internet is, <laughs> supported by the people that use the internet every day, whether that's a user, a publisher, an advertiser, kind of everyone can operate a node. Everyone can then be rewarded for facilitating the transactions, which typically took place in centralized servers where one party saw most of the benefit. So yeah, it's when you put it like that, it feels quite big. Yeah, isn't it? 
the value exchange really exactly that yeah is created a value exchange <laughs> yeah when you, when you talk about the the numbers there it's quite when you kind of think about it and you you, you take a step back and you, you you kind of look at how how much money the market kind of the market cap is for what you are targeting you, you don't really comprehend how, how, how much how much it is and it's it's just absolutely huge the kind of the industry you're going for and so like, like you said, having those node operators um, to being able to validate, obviously, the bids and the transactions on the Ad Explorer and being able to kind of capture that market. Um, like you said, it's just it's just difficult to comprehend those sorts of numbers, really. Exactly, because there are billions of these ad, uh, ad transactions. So what we are building needs to be scalable and robust in order to take on more publishers and uh, uh, advertisers. That's the only way this can... Uh, this can continue to operate. We need to be scalable, and that is only possible by making it as decentralized as possible. Yeah, I think to like put that number into perspective, like if you influence the marketing, like I think people probably because everyone spends a lot of time on Instagram and Facebook and wherever else you want other platforms there are, Twitter, I suppose. Um, that market globally is 16 billion, 15 billion dollars rather last year. So compared to the, I think, I want to say it was 486 billion dollars last year, but yeah, don't was. quote me on that. Um, so yeah, kind of just that compared to, yeah, what you see in a channel like in influencer marketing, you can see it's significantly larger. So yeah. It is really the workhorse for most of the brands in the world, frankly. Yeah. Cheers for that. And sorry, sorry, go on. Sorry. Um, just to touch upon another aspect of um, how this affects publishers and advertisers, um, I think we also need to look at the data aspect here because there is so much of um, data that is available on the Ads Explorer itself. So from a publisher's perspective, let's say the publisher knows um, the bid requests that have originated from their website. Now, it is possible for the publishers to um, get hold of all the bid response data corresponding to all of these bid requests. And this is uh, available on the Ads Explorer, available to anybody. And they can look at how um, the bidders are actually bidding on each of these bid requests. And that may be determined by the time of the day. That may be determined by the geographical location. That may be uh, determined by a segment that the user uh, is part of. Or it may be determined by the type of content that is being shown on that page. So there's so much of data that the, the, the publishers have, which they can overlay on top of the bid response data to determine how bidders are bidding based on each of these factors. And what they can do is to use that data to determine what is the minimum price they ask for an ad to be shown for a user from a certain geographical location, reading content of a certain type and belonging to a certain user segment. So there's so much of value that the publishers can get from just by looking at the data that is on the chain and top it all with the rich data sets that we have off the chain because now they have complete auditability of off-chain data, they can use our APIs to get access to that off-chain data and then um, use that to determine the, the, the asking price for each of these ad slots. 
if you flip that around, you can look at uh, look at this the data sets from the advertisers' perspective. They can look at how much is actually being uh, uh, how much of their uh, bid price is actually reaching the publishers, and hence how can they alter their bidding strategy in order to ensure that the publishers get the same value for for their ad slots or maybe even higher for their ad slots without actually taking a hit on the advertiser side. So as advertisers, they can actually uh, lower their bid price and still ensure they win the ad auctions and still ensure that their ad gets shown to the right kind of users from the right geographical locations, browsing the right kind of content and belonging to the right kind of user segments. So there is so much that both the publishers and the advertisers can gain just using this data. And this is just from the data perspective. Um, and as Ben was saying, you know, there's also the scalability factor where um, there's, there's reduced uh, uh, transaction fees. There's also uh, making the supply chain more efficient. There's also um, removing redundancy and then providing a greener alternative to, uh, to legacy exchanges. And uh, you know we, we we refer to this uh, within Alchemy as TLC, which is T being uh, transparent and auditable data, L is lower fees, and C is carbon friendliness. So all three of which is being achieved by Alchemy Exchange. That was a great analysis, uh, Chandru. Cheers for that. It were, obviously, we spoke about money and how much the market cap is, and kind of the the money that's being lost in. Um, like the three percent, regards to the over forty percent of what the current kind of expectation is within the market. It's, it's not just about money, and it, it'll kind of allow us publishers, like you said, ad advertisers, to kind of focus on their um, kind of mission statements, their goals, and kind of target in certain aspects of like different geographical areas, like you said. So, not just the money side of it. It's kind of like what a company's goals are to hit throughout the year, and what their kind of mission statement is. It'll it'll kind of empower. A lot of businesses uh, to kind of facilitate and, and and achieve their own goals, which I find quite interesting as well. Yeah, I would say there's it's quite it's one of those kind of unnoticed side effects of what goes on within the advertising industry is uh, the sort of degradation of the quality of journalism. I know, like it's it's something for the tin foil hat wearer sometimes, but in reality these companies have been losing half their revenue to a Google or Facebook, whoever that means they've laid off staff and those staff are, you know, either salespeople or they're journalists. And that leads to kind of a degradation in, in quality of journalism and, you know, actually probably a limitation on like things like freedom of speech. So I would think it's quite an interesting sort of, yeah, hangover from what appears to be just like an industry that, yeah, kind of is, self-congratulating and whatever else and like basically just there to make money for other companies but really like when you look at what the media and newspapers are there to do is to hold governments to account and make sure that you know everybody is informed about things that are happening around the world and if they are reducing the amount that they're spending on that that means that the quality of it goes down and it's it's like one of those things i, I actually studied like politics at uni so i'm quite a one advocate for like things like free speech and freedom and it always yeah struck me that it was just this weird thing that nobody really talked about um because it was just actually about 
you know, newspapers like reading figures going down and like nobody was really focusing on the kind of what that actually meant for anyone. It's just like, oh, yeah, it just means that X, Y, Z newspaper is now worth less than it was 20 years ago because of the Internet. But the net on net effect of those things is actually like something like the quality of journalism, freedom of speech, the, the ability for governments to be held to account. So I think there's like these kind of broader factors that it feeds into that kind of people don't necessarily think about. So I always like to think that we're doing, doing something good for the world as well as, uh, you know, just selling ads. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely agree with that one. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not just selling ads and looking at that is kind of there's been so many positives and so many kind of different aspects you can look at with regards to um what yourselves offer it's like it's advertisers publishers it's the whole industry as a whole even the community which is kind of what i wanted to move on to next if you don't mind as well is um, kind of what does what does ads on labs mean for the community for obviously people like myself and investors and shareholders of, of, of alchemy what, what, does, what does it mean for them this ads on labs yeah, I mean, I think like on the in the first instance, like it proves that we've kind of been building through a bear market. So we always, everyone in the industry always talks about being a biddler and all the rest of it. But I mean, we know that isn't always the case when you look at you know what's going on with FTX and all those kind of things. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's proof that like we have been like trying to complete our mission statement um, throughout like the last two years, and that we've actually like achieved that. Um, and then it kind of allows us like to look forward into the future about the other things that we might do. But um, beyond that, I think like we're looking towards community members being able to on, be onboarded as node operators. I think that's kind of what everybody's like ultimately here for. I know you know we managed to get everybody excited about a programmatic ad exchange, which I never thought would happen. Um, but really, like for every community member to become a node operator means that they're helping to support that um all those good things that i just spoke about before but also you know it means that they'll be rewarded for helping us you know, build out the network and therefore like make it cheaper for both advertisers and, and publishers to use it so i think that's quite a, kind of like the biggest thing that you know take away for everybody in the community is like this is this means that the network exists and like the future Part of that is having like node operators to help validate those transactions as you're seeing happen on on the ads explorer um and yeah the kind of the more people um that use the network obviously that means the more rewards and more buybacks that we can like give back to those node operators so it's kind of like that virtuous cycle um that we're getting into so once we've you know got a few more node operators on board and we we build the network out there'll be rewards for certain regions where we have new um, advertisers and publishers being onboarded um, as well as, uh, you know, just general, general rewards and buybacks going into that. Perfect. Thank you. And just, uh, just out of interest for anyone that's obviously new, obviously to yourself hearing today, is, is there anything obviously looking at price appreciation and token advisor up until now on to when that kind of releases for the community for people to kind of get involved and be the node validators is there any kind of and obviously you may not want to disclose it at the moment in time it may still be underway but kind of like a has it been hard to kind of work out how how many you need to kind of to be able to facilitate and kind of run a node in regards to the the token aspect with regards to obviously how how many how many transactions can be verified on ads explorer or has it, has it been quite simple an aspect i think 
theoretically it's very simple i think when we put it into practice we always look to make efficiencies and that is kind of ongoing we want to we don't want the number to be too high we want as many people as possible be able to run nodes the more validators we have validating transactions the more stable the network is so yeah there's a couple of levers that we're pulling at the moment yeah i mean there'll be there'll be different cohorts uh that come on at different times and the way that we uh pick the node operators for those cohorts should be at least entertaining and uh yeah we've got we've got a few things in the works for that so that will be yeah we'll, we'll be releasing more information about that as the as the quarter goes on but um in terms of like actual like throughput, obviously we kind of understand how much throughput you can get through a cluster, but um, you know scaling that up over multiple publishers and uh, multiple kind of geo locations as well um, is something that is more to do with like kind of trial and error and stress testing it. Um, and yeah, Chandra's team has been putting putting stress through the system to like check it's working um and then also just to see where we actually sit on that tps piece um but yeah there will always be uh, a certain level of like service that we need to give to our clients so um within that yeah we'll we'll always be operating a certain number of nodes just to make sure that there is that kind of base base layer of um of transaction throughput that we can always count on but and beyond that, we've obviously will be onboarding a lot of node operators. And like I said, there'll be probably bounties for different areas that are kind of less loved. So incentivize people to maybe set up their node in a different place rather than just having it in the country that they live in, which is, you know, which will be good. But, you know, there, there's only so many nodes that we need, even in somewhere that has high internet traffic like North America or Europe. Um, but we are planning on being a completely global network. Um, obviously, that will take more time. Um, and as we do that, there'll be yeah those bounties like flying around for for different um, areas, so that people can yeah kind of maybe play a bit more of the, uh, the sort of game with it and and chase those um, chase those kind of higher rewards in the sort of less loved regions, perhaps. Thanks for that. And interesting to say that about kind of using the validators to kind of push out to different areas that maybe not or might not be kind of a as successful as the other areas was it we we speak about the kind of incentivizing users to be validators on like in another geographical area or like another sort of a what's the word kind of like another like part part of the industry is would there be any like limitations on how many validators there can be for like a certain geographical area is has that been any consideration no, so what we've actually kind of built into the system is the ability to use the bandwidth for various functions within the network. So it's not just like about you're validating a transaction that is an ad on a website necessarily. There's um, there's other parts of the, the full stack that we have. Um, so, for example, like pre-bid we've spoken about, um, we are able to now run that on distributed nodes. Like that can then act as like another you know incentive for publishers because it's a lower cost than they're probably paying to run their pre-bid instance elsewhere on AWS or whatever, just by themselves. Um, like the same is true for the other side of the equation, which is like the demand side platforms. Um, we, we again can also log lost data rather than uh, just winning bid data. Um, that provides like more information for advertisers to go and use in market and, and really, um, you know, feed their algorithms, the information they need to have better buying strategies. So, it's not just about 
um, your node will validate a transaction on the network. There's different types of nodes that will be running, and then those nodes can also perform different different functions. And it, the idea is that we are as efficient as possible with the bandwidth that's available. And and part of that is is also um, you know having other functions that those nodes can do. Um, and you know things like reporting um, and and using it for other areas of the the sort of whole ecosystem are are important ways to basically make that happen um, and make sure that we're being as efficient as possible. Yeah, definitely. F thank you for that. Really, really appreciate. And um, I know you touched on it as well. Um, with, with regards to the, the the tokens and kind of having the kind of distributing it across the network kind of fairly it would they be like just for obviously people who are joining the community recently who may not have heard it before and people who will obviously hear, hear this AMA back would it is it going to be like tiered systems for, for the validators on the network or is it going to be like kind of like a one-size-fits-all approach um so there will be there will be like two different types of nodes and they will have different costs and be run in different ways um we are going to be releasing like more information about that, so I don't necessarily want to like jump the gun on it. But um, yeah, there, there will be different. There will be fractionalization available um, as well as like full nodes. So that will provide you know pretty much everybody with the opportunity to to validate transactions in some way or another. Um, but yeah, as as to like the specific details of that, I won't go into too much detail because I don't want to. We're in, we're in the marketing party. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, 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 I'll stop asking questions now. <laughs> sure, you already said too much. Yeah, I think I <laughs> Sorry, that's my fault. That's probably my job, mate. I'm yeah, so so I won't ask any more any more questions on that topic. But what I want to go back onto now is um, kind of back onto the ads on labs, and we've talked about the technical side of it. Chanju has been very good at, at kind of explaining it, uh, how like a simple kind of view, like putting it across as like a, the, the eBay side of it, and how we can kind of interpret that and and see it in like the everyday aspects, uh, not just thinking of crypto as being like really confusing. Ch Chanju has been very good in what in what he said, and he's even made it more more clearer for me. Uh, we, we spoke about the advertisers, publishers, and kind of what it means for the community. And one of the big questions I've got now: what what, what does it mean for the for the future for ads on labs? So yeah, I mean, I think just uh, kind of generally for anybody who's using our network, there is obviously all the advantages that we've spoken about. But even just the way that the network works uh, allows for a kind of plethora of like different products that don't exist right now. Um, there's there's quite a lot of uh, ways in which uh, we are able to offer trading. Um, so we, we always like to think of it as more akin to like high frequency trading in a sort of stock exchange than what exists right now is programmatic advertising. Um, and with that, that'll allow kind of advertisers and publishers or mainly advertisers um, to sort of Great different trading strategies. Um, so algorithmic trading, for example, doesn't really happen in programmatic advertising. It's very much like I am looking for this person. I will go across these sites, and I want them to like be hit at these times. Um, so it's it's very basic version of kind of how you might execute trades. Um, so yeah, by kind of having more of that data available to more people more of the time, 
it means that they can be more informed about the, the, the trading that they are doing. Um, a lot of the stuff that underpins that information is based around cookies. Um, it's been in the news for a very long time that there is the, co the cookie apocalypse happening, um, although it's uh, been going on for quite a while because Google just keeps kicking the can a bit further because their whole system is built on cookies. They can't really deprecate them at the moment. Every solution they've come up with basically fails on the GDPR level. Mm. Um, so there's there's these holdouts like Google. Um, so Chrome still uses cookies. Safari doesn't. So that effectively makes every Safari user un unfindable, effectively, by advertisers, um, which means that there is at some point going to be a cookie-less future. We're not quite there yet because Google needs to kind of get their, their stuff together and Facebook is still using cookies a lot. Um, and kind of that's why they've seen a decline in revenue is because Safari doesn't allow them to track their users across Safari, um, but they are allowed to across Chrome. So those kind of nuances uh, that kind of underpin what happens now, um, like cookies, is, is going to go away. So we've kind of been thinking a lot about what does alchemy allow uh, a cookie-less future to be. So we've talked about it before, but... Um, the use of kind of Web3 wallets as like a, as a replacement for a cookie is definitely something that, um, you know, we think is going to happen just because Web3 wallets are going to become ubiquitous anyway, uh, regardless of what we're doing, um, because people like NFTs and people have cryptos um, and Web3 wallets are very easy to use and they interact with websites. And that kind of last bit of being able to interact with web websites is basically their kind of like you know, magic. Um, and that kind of allowing users to be in control of the stuff that's happening when the when the wallet interacts with the website, um, you know that is not too far different to what we call like consent um, management. So, you know, we we've all seen you get the notice that tells you like we're going to use these cookies for this, we're going to use them for that, and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever, accept. But that isn't really how GDPR is meant to work. Um, it is kind of it's the very basic level of consent that's available, um, which is why kind of everybody is en ends up being tracked all the time. Um, but there is a future where uh, we talk about permission instead of consent. So rather than me just like bothering you or making it very difficult for you to have your user, your normal user journey, um, and therefore like making it, making it difficult and putting an accept sign and you just say, yeah, whatever, get rid of it you will actually be able to control which sites see what about you when. So it will make, it will you know, really bring the, the user back into that value exchange that we've talked about many times before, but it really like, flips the paradigm on its head. Um, so the data is then not owned by those big platforms that we all know about, Facebook, Google, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinite. Um, it is then actually the user's data and the user has the ability to control it um, and also therefore monetize it. Um, it's in a, in a similar way to the way the Brave browser works, right? It's, it has a wallet attached to it. They block ads and then they show you their own ads and then they pay you for it. It's like that is something that is available um, now, but there isn't really the infrastructure to make it work across the whole of the internet. Um, that's why, you know, Brave had to do it in a browser format, um, but with what we have built at Alchemy, there is the ability to bring that model to sort of the wider internet, to like every website, every user, every browser. Um, and that's that kind of one-to-many approach rather than um, trying to get people to use a different browser, which is quite difficult. But um, yeah, I think kind of 
from an advertiser perspective, it's it's it will allow them to trade differently. Um, and then from a user perspective, it's like, what does the cookie look future look like? Um, and by having blockchain technology attached to the actual ad exchange, it means that there is more likelihood of uh, Web3 wallets and other parts of that kind of ecosystem and, and those products to be able to be used for advertisers, um, which, yeah, again, just completely kind of so small differences that make a very big difference on the on the sort of end result. Um, and it's yeah, that that's one of those things that's really going to be changed by what we're doing at Alchemy. Thanks for that. Um, with regards to going back to the the GDPR, um, for people I don't know, is the General Data Regulation, sorry, General Data Protection Regulation. And um, when we look at kind of the shift from the cookies to web free, um, just in your experience, guys, what is it? Are you, are you finding it easier for kind of to comply with GDPR, looking at the, re the retention of data and kind of not, not breaching that? Are, are you finding it simpler because it's more auditable? Um, not so much, only because um, a lot of that data is, like, hashed anyway. So it's not um, – we're not doing anything necessarily unique in that sense. Again, it's that meeting the market where it is. We have to be able to be – interoperable with the things that people expect now um even if it's not what we're aiming to do in the future but a lot of these things are kind of off the shelf at the moment so it's like we we can work with them um quite easily uh but yeah we're in terms of like gdpr like chandru had actually in a previous life uh created a gdpr compliant blockchain which almost makes it the kind of perfect thing for alchemy uh it's simulation yeah that's why we know we're living in a simulation but yeah i think i'll hand over to chandri then <laughs> um, i think this is a very um interesting conversation because um while we do need to meet the requirements of uh, our ecosystem partners the expectations of the community it is paramount that we comply with the regulations and look at this product from the eventual users, which is the people visiting the websites, the people who are targeted with ads, the people who will eventually buy those products. How would we as end users feel if our personal information finds its way onto a public ledger that is accessible by anybody? That is the question that we need to ask ourselves before we view ourselves as, you know, Alchemy Exchange or a publisher or an advertiser. Before we are any of those, before we are publishers, advertisers, technology partners, we are end users. And if we don't want to use a product as an end user, which respects a product that does not respect the end user's um, personal information, then we've lost the battle. So it is very, very important for anybody in the ecosystem, be it the publishers, the advertisers, the technology partners like Alchemy, to be aware of what it means to be an end user and respect the user's privacy. And that is why we've taken a stand to not, to, to have all of that data, um, all of the PII data off the chain. So there is absolutely nothing that will be exposed on the public ledger as far as PII information is concerned. So, and we will take all due care in order to secure that data that will be handled off chain. So there are quite a lot of precautions that every company should and um, should take, and we are striving towards meeting um, those requirements towards um, the, the, the regulation and also to, to try and secure the data um, as much as we can. 
Thanks, Andrew. And with regards to going, with regards to the kind of the retention of data and complying with GDPR and the likes of human rights, is, is there anything that you'd have to consider in the future that something cookies offer, kind of like of kind of a disclosing certain public information with regards to what kind of web free wouldn't or or vice versa? Is there anything that once that shift changes from obviously cookies and how that how important that is at the moment to the ad industry? Shift, shifting that to Web3, is there any measures that has to be put in place to comply with GDPR more? I don't think so. I think I would like us to be at the forefront of what that is, really. Yeah, I think actually, like interestingly, sovereignty of data is the perfect scenario um, that the EU were trying to achieve when they brought in GDPR. Um, like users having control of literally every piece of data that is about them that is transferred anywhere. So by using Web3 wallets and creating like permissions within that, um, that is how really data, like personal data should be treated. Um, so yeah, by creating the rails effectively to be able to build that on top of, um, yeah, we're making it a lot more likely. Um, also, yes, it is the kind of ideal ideal set of circumstances rather than kind of cookies which are just a bit out in the open for anybody to then target and you know you get all those kind of creepy ads because you looked at something recently and all that kind of stuff so even even just from a kind of user perspective it's like there's nothing better than being in control of your own situation so yeah i think yeah from that point of view it's, it's definitely helps. yeah we did have some conversations quite some time back um job and where uh, you know, we were discussing how uh, consent management platforms can change in order to comply with uh, uh, the regulations in the Web3 world. Um, but yes, I think uh, all of that is is definitely on the backlog, but I don't think it's uh, high enough on the, uh, on the backlog to find its way into uh, the roadmap, at least for the next, uh, next few quarters. But uh, I remember having those conversations, but just buried uh, under our uh, product backlog for now. Hopefully, um, once all of this is done, all of the node management is done, we'll probably yeah, revive those conversations. The next thing that we're <laughs> Thanks yeah. for uh, refreshing our memory there, yeah. really. <laughs> Maybe it needs to find its way up the product backlog. Mm. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Chandru. Um, Really interesting to hear you talk about that and kind of the the, the pros of what Web3 offers and what, when we talk about the, the cookie side of it. Is it, in relation to cookies, just for obviously from people who are not of kind of like a technical background, that being able to kind of delete cookies from like a web browser and the internet, is that is that something which makes Web3 stand out further and kind of the the ads on ads on labs by, have, by not being able to delete cookies and kind of, not letting publishers and advertisers lose a, a potential target of like profit or to, to achieve a certain goal is that is that, is that kind of better what you see in the future shifting from cookies to that is, is that kind of an, another positive aspect of it i think i would say so yeah i think the the issue right now is that when you should put it another way there's too much content right now online for the kind of i go online i get free content in exchange for seeing a few ads. I think something that's gone wrong is that there's too much content, so people aren't prepared to view ads and they block, block ads, which is never a good thing. Um, 
there is that then has kind of reduced people's user experience online so the the internet has become a more intrusive place to hang out and i think that by using alternative solutions to cookies particularly with a blockchain there is now a means of transferring value of some description whatever that may be from an advertiser via a publisher to an individual that has surfaced their their data with their permission for the first time it's like if you were to when you visited your favorite new site and share some of your information be given something that had actual value to you you probably wouldn't be opposed to seeing ads and i think again by fixing the infrastructure versus what currently exists and really what i mean by that is removing the fees the the, the double digit 40 whatever it is 40 to 50% fees that are taken a publisher will actually have to well, won't need to show as many ads because they're getting paid more of the money that they should have been paid with the existing web2 situation but they haven't done so like every at every point with advertisers publishers and users the ineffectiveness of cookies in terms of the user experience has exasperated exacerbated every other issue that exists like publishers have to serve more ads to make up for the money that is being lost by people blocking ads which means that advertisers are getting less effective ad campaigns have to spend more money on media which is potentially wasted which could be going into product improvements developments you name it so i think there are whenever you cut it's like using expression a lot recently but you know you like pick up a paving slab in the garden and there's loads of creepy crawlies under it kind of as you do that with cookies you see more and more issues that perhaps you didn't know were there that have been exasperated by that system like cookies were never really meant for targeting ads they were meant to remember whereabouts in the page you got when you navigated away from a particular article online you know it's really been used to the nth degree by advertisers and i think that yeah, it's it's screaming out for a solution. I, yeah, aren't cookies like forty years old or something? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Man, yeah. Like it's, it's literally just supposed yeah. to be so remembered a session. It kept, yeah. keeps you logged into a page. Yeah, and it's now being used to retarget ads based off your search keyword history. You know, it's it's wild. And that's again to kind of hark back to a point I made a while ago. There's been no real um, innovation in the inf underlying infrastructure of the way in which ads are traded online. So by yeah, delivering ads on labs, proving that it's feasible to run an ad exchange on a blockchain, it really is the first step to innovating infrastructure that needs to be innovated, frankly. It's kind of why we ended up existing. So Yeah, because really it's like so many businesses are reliant on it. It's kind of wild that nothing's changed similar in the mm. whole time of programmatic's been around. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's there's whole industries that are built off the back of it, and it's like pretty creaky infrastructure. Um, well, even OpenRTB, the current iteration, is six years old. Yeah, it's nuts. Isn't it? So yeah, it's it's ripe for innovation. Yeah, and I, I, I knew it was quite quite a long time ago. But I, I didn't think it was forty years old. And when, when you think about how far technology, and especially crypto, has come along, even in the last year or two, having something kind of be in control of kind of what the ad industry ad industry is at the moment. It, it it's just mad to think that something is potentially forty years old, which kind of helps facilitate that 
that that current technology of what people like companies like Google and things like that who are miles ahead in technology are still using kind of these cookies which are out there like you said 40 years old just <laughs> I didn't I didn't, didn't realise it was that long ago yeah I mean like the yellow pages were still knocking around then which is an absolute GDPR minefield <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> telephone directory yeah exactly when I was looking at football transfers yeah, yeah, yeah. what time the movie was on yeah yeah no f- f- thanks for that guys you've been you've been really helpful today and um, there's been quite a lot of information to take in and I'm sure everyone in the community would, would really appreciate it I've got I've got tons and tons of questions but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping in the future we'll be able to do another uh, AMA and there's quite a few questions from the community um, but I know I'm obviously quite conscious uh, of your plans as well guys and uh, we've been running over quite quite a bit now so yeah I just want to say thanks for your, for your time today you, you've been really great yeah just want to um, say a huge call out to everybody who's worked on this project you know um, it, it may just be the three of us who are the face of the company but you know there's this so there are so many people who worked on this project made it possible um and uh, a huge shout out to all of them who've made ads on labs possible and also a huge shout out to the community uh thanks guys for all of your support um yeah thank you great thank you everyone here here thanks guys and just for anyone um who has got any questions if they can fire in my way again i'll make sure um i, I asked the team the questions and uh, Millie from the team has been been, been quite helpful. Any, any questions that you've uh, had tonight? Just because we we run over quite a bit, if we can post them in the Telegram or post them to me, we'll we'll get you the answer as soon as possible. But yeah, thanks guys for for having me. I, re- I really appreciate. It. I've been I've been looking forward to, to hosting yourselves for quite a long time, and it's you're by far one of my favourite projects. Uh, kind of what you're targeting and the, the work ethic of yourselves is just. Uh, it's just amazing. So yeah, I just want to really appreciate the opportunity for, to, for hosting this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Have a kind words. Have a great evening. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Thanks, Thank everyone. You. you too. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon.